Welcome to the Lending Lowdown. I'm Iwana Barza, Head of Market Analysis, and I'm joined by CJ Doherty, Director of Analysis. We are excited to host our fifth episode together. We really wanted to step up our game, so we brought you three guests today. Yeah, it's, it's a bit ambitious, but when it comes to the European loan market, we couldn't think of a better crew than our editorial folks in London. So Eleanor, Prudence, and Alistair, welcome to the Lending Lowdown. And, and it is ambitious. So thank you for joining us and talking with us a bit about what's happening in the European loan market. But before we start, could each of you tell our audience your focus and just you know say hello? Why don't we start with you, Al? Hello, I'm Alistair Riley. I'm a senior reporter covering the European investment grade loan market. And Eleanor? Hey, I'm Eleanor. I'm EMEA Leverage Loans Editor. Um, I've been covering capital markets for around 10 years, starting in New York and now in London. Welcome. Prudence. Hi, everyone. This is Prudence. I cover European private debt markets. Okay, so Eleanor, let's start with you. You know, the, the leverage, European leverage loan market, like its US counterpart, has faced uh, difficult conditions in recent months, to say the least. So is the leverage loan market currently shut down in Europe? What's going on there? Europe's leverage finance market is really at an almost standstill. Um, on the buy side, there's not a lot of liquidity out there. Investors are feeling very risk averse in the light of rate rises, inflation and Russia's war in Ukraine. They've also seen outflows more recently on the back of the UK's um, recent LDI turmoil, which has caused um, big losses for pension funds. So you've seen that flow through into leverage loan investors and also high yield bond investors. Then on the sell side, you're seeing banks effectively shut for business in terms of of underwriting new buyouts. So banks are telling us that they are either unwilling to take on your risk or are asking for terms that are either too flexible or too expensive for sponsors. And that's partly because leverage finance tests have already suffered um, quite painful losses this year on you know billions of buyout financings that were underwritten in better times, but were then sold to investors steep discounts as the market soured. So that hung pipeline has now been whittled down quite a lot. And banks say that they don't want to add to their problem and put more deals onto their balance sheets. One bank has recently to me that to underwrite something new now and not and then not to be able to sell it in two months would feel like, as he said, a self-inflicted wound. To be honest, there hasn't been much M&A going, activity going on anyway. In deals that have been already underwritten, banks have had to rejig financing in order to get them through a very nervous primary market. Um, often bringing in direct lenders or even other banks to get deals across the line. And even then, yields have been seen at around 10% or over. Okay. And uh, thinking about risks in the leverage market, are maturing loans a concern for both lenders and sponsors or, or not so much? Yeah, you know, something the banks have been worrying about in recent weeks, rather than the hung M&A pipeline, which was a focus, I, I think, oh, you know, from April onwards and over the summer, now they're looking at the potential impact of the lack of liquidity for borrowers with near-term maturities. So Europe's leverage companies have around $9 billion equivalent of term loan bees maturing in um, 2023 and 2024. There's also over 60 billion of euro-denominated high-yield debt maturing in 2023. So in normal years, that wouldn't be considered a huge number. But the future is very uncertain. Borrowers are facing a market where the cost of capital may double or even triple. We saw 
Swedish alarm company Verishore, which is considered a very strong non-investment grade credit. And they recently priced a 500 million euro senior secured refinancing bond at a coupon of 9.25%. Now, the bonds that the company were replacing had a 3.5% coupon. And that really shows you how much the market has kind of soured over this year. So banks are saying that credits that have a more checkered history might get a rougher ride in primary or will require capital injections in order to deliver. And we might see a number of distressed amend and extends going through. So, yeah, very uncertain times lying ahead as well with that. That's great. That's a a lot to keep an eye on going forward. And now let's shift over to the private debt side and, and prudence. So Prudence, like what opportunities have arisen for direct lenders, you know, as a consequence of the disruption in the leverage market? Yeah, so it has been a great year for European private debt markets as they are the only source of liquidity in the market after banks have shut for business in terms of underwriting any new financing. So the key advantage that private debt funds could offer right now is certainty. So they can price risk and provide certainty in terms of cost of capital, execution, and documentation, which banks couldn't offer right now. So they have seized this opportunity to step in the larger end of leveraged market to fund everything, from news buyouts to refinancing and add-on. So they have also taken down loans that banks couldn't shift in the leveraged market or so-called hand deals. So we have seen like earlier of the year the underwritten banks of Morrison so part of the financing to a group of direct lenders at a very deep discount. So by taking all these opportunities, they got a very attractive return. The all-in yield in some cases is 10% or above. So they can even negotiate really better terms in documentation to tighten up covenants, cash leakage, assets leakage. So there's no doubt this is the time for them to shy. And they might even take a permanent market share in European leverage markets, even if the market dislocations ease. Okay, so it sounds like there's a loads of opportunity there. Anything, any challenges that this market is facing, or is it pretty much positive for them at the moment, given the the problems that the you know their that the leverage loan market faces? For them, it's like they have like keep all the cards for now. So they see there's a low opportunities for them. And also they don't see a lot of uh, defaults going forward because what they finance is basically re- uh, recessions proof sectors, healthcare, software business. So for now, they seems pretty okay, but we'll see how the stress will come in, in the market in the next 12 to 18 months. There's so much focus here on risk management, and we obviously see it in the U.S. market as well, and just a lot of differentiation by risk. So now I want to switch, Alistair, over to you to the less uh, risky you know, part of the market. What about investment grade? Is it insulated from all this? Is it taking any kind of hits? Is it, you know, the dynamics we know are so different in I-grade? As I say, the investment grade loan market is ever closed, sometimes It's only open at a price. So we've seen volumes drop substantially on the back of rising interest rates, inflation, supply chain issues, the energy crisis and the war in Ukraine, which has created long-term uncertainty and prevented a full recovery from the pandemic. 
Refinancing, the traditional driver of investment-grade loan volumes, is around 50% down on last year. Wow. Margins for investment-grade European corporates are rising modestly as banks' cost of funding also rises, stymieing any opportunistic refinancing activity. Borrowers are really sticking with what they've got. Borrowers have made wide use of extension options on their existing facilities to avoid having to pay up to fully refinance their loans. Modestly increasing margins might not be the main barrier to appetite. Rising underlying interest rates could prove a real dampener on activity going forward as the area of cheap financing comes to an end. Now, that's not a problem for the vast majority of investment-grade loan issuance, which are in the form of undrawn revolving credit facilities, which only pay a small commitment fee not connected to a base rate. But it does affect appetite for drawn revolves and term debt, making them materially Uh more expensive, which could see an increased use of interest rate swaps on deals and switching to fixed rates. Meanwhile, M&A financing is around 60% down, as uncertain volatile markets hit valuations and appetite to do deals, or difficult bond and equity markets mean there's no easy takeout option for bridge loans. Bank liquidity isn't a problem. Event-driven financings are far more lucrative for banks than standard vanilla refinancing, and lenders remain more than willing to provide financing to back acquisitions. Borrowers just aren't biting. So it's it might just be, you know, what we're seeing in the, U, uh, in the U.S. market as well, which is that in some markets, the financing is hard to get. And it sounds like with the I-grade market, the bankers would still be willing to do the M&A. But if you need to refinance, you know, get an extension or wait, just wait out until you get closer to maturity. Is that fair? Yes, I think so. And... Um you know, many, many borrowers are taking the opportunity when they do the extensions to add ESG criteria to their financings. Great. Making them more attractive for lenders that are keen to add sustainability-linked loans to their portfolios. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you. Um, this was a fantastic overview of, you know, finger on the pulse of what's happening right now in the European loan market. Yeah, so Alistair, Eleanor, Prudence, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And we want to thank all of you for tuning in. I'm Iwana Barza here with CJ Doherty. And for all of our EMEA market coverage, please visit us at LoanConnector.com. And join us in person on November 2nd in New York City for our 28th annual loans conference. We will have eight panels tackling these challenges in private credit and in the broader syndicated market. And again, we want to thank all of you for listening to our fifth episode. Subscribe to The Lending Lowdown on your favorite podcast platform. 